covering The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson. Oh my gosh, Emily, good luck on editing. My name is Megan, and I don't have to do any more storyboarding until Monday. <gasps> Congratulations! Very excited. <laughs> on the other hand, though, my name is Emily, and I should be—I shouldn't be storyboarding. <laughs> I should be writing my book because my writers group. The next person up, she's going to have her baby in two weeks and, you know, she's not going to have written anything. And so I think they're going to skip her and go straight to me. And so it's my turn. (laughs) But instead, we're doing a podcast. We're doing a podcast. Which we're super excited about. And today I will 100% not be on Twitter. Emily, why will I not be on Twitter while we're recording? Is it, is it because of my extreme strength of character? No, that can't be it. <laughs> we did the nuclear option. I gave Emily my password and she's changed it so I physically cannot get on to Twitter. <laughs> and earlier today she goes, so I've got all my deadlines in. Can I have my password? And I said, Yes. And then I immediately said, no, not until we've podcasted. And then I thought about it for a while and I said, you know what? I said two weeks. It's only been one week. It's been one week since I looked at Twitter. (laughs) Uh, But the reason I asked back for it today, the reason why I really want to get on is because they announced season three of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous and I wanted to celebrate on Twitter and stuff, but I'll wait. I'm so excited to see the episodes you storyboarded for that one. I was on episode, just a sec, I gotta, I gotta math this, because when we work on them, they're not numbered like season three, episode one, uh, they were numbered in just the order that we completed them in, so I have to always remember what the, what the real episode numbers are, so let's see, I worked on three and five and eight, no, three and six, no. I don't know. Four and two. Wait, <laughs> wait until the episode comes out and then I'll know. But today, we're finally recording on The Way of Kings. Emily got to read these chapters like five weeks ago. February you read them. 2nd, 2021. So That's the day in my notes. It's the day I read it. And guess what today is, you guys? It's March 11th. I had to ask at the DMV. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been a minute and we're very excited to talk about it. Very excited. The chapters we are covering today are chapter 29, Arrogance. Chapter 30, Darkness Unseen. Chapter 31, Beneath the Skin. And chapter 32, Side Carry. Hey, Emily, what were your overall impressions of these chapters? Oh, they were so good. Listen, I hate that I say that every week because I'm just like, eh, they were so good. But they really were so good this week. They always are. Um, Emotionally, I was wrung out by the end of the very last chapter, and we'll get to that. But, like, oof, oof. I will Um, say, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, you go. I was going to say, we start off the first one, and as I'm reading, it's a Shallan chapter, and it's 
it's emphasized that why she's there, it's to steal the Fabriel and to switch it out with her families. I'd completely forgotten that was the reason she was there. She's just having <laughs> such a good time being a scholar. And then her family's like, hey, we're in a lot of trouble. So the faster you can steal this priceless artifact from the reigning sovereign and get it back to us, the better. So could you hurry it up, please? Please commit treason faster. Yeah. So we, we got to see Shilban again. We haven't seen her since part one. I missed her. She's fabulous. Um, very, very first off, though, before we get into this chapter, uh, Emily, there is a new illustration. What is the illustration of? It's Carl Carbrandt. It's Carl. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yep. a, it's a basically a shot of the city from the harbor. And it's just in all these layers, all the way stacked up to the top of the mountain. Yep. It's very cool. It's very nice. It's 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 in the style of, is it wood, woodcut? Yeah. I guess. I guess that's what in, you'd say. Engraving. It's like engraving. Yes. So that's very it's cool. The, the line work. It could be, what is that, a lithograph? <laughs> Something that could be replicated and stamped onto other pages of paper. Yeah. Uh, since we are at... Part three, that means the epigraphs have changed. So part one, uh, the epigraph at the beginning of each chapter were those death words, uh, whatever those were. And then part two, it was a letter. Emily, can you read the very first epigraph of part three? It says, the ones of ash and fire who killed like a swarm, relentless before the heralds. I'm guessing this is about the void bringers. Uh, read the read the next part of it. Oh, sorry. Noted. You're gonna make me read a bunch of weird words, and then everyone's gonna make fun of me. Noted in Masley, page three thirty seven, corroborated by Coldwin and Hasvan, Hasava, Has Hasava. Probably, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. What what can you glean from this already? You said you're you're guessing it's about the void. Bringers. I'm guessing it's the void bringers because in an earlier chapter they looked at an illustration of something that they're like, these could be the void bringers. Um, they look like giant chasm fiends. So uh, someone's writing about something terrible that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Shalon is uh, span reading back and forth with her brothers back home. Uh, technically, she is span reading with her brother's wife. Uh, fiance, right? Betrothed? Probably. Yeah. It's also been five weeks since I picked up. <laughs> you were correct. Betrothed. They are not married. Okay, yet. here. Okay, stop. Listen. Question. What? Her yep. name's Alita. She's non Balot's betrothed. This is the absolute psychopath that likes to pull legs off small animals. And I'm just like, what kind of woman? is gonna marry him and later shallan's like she's nice but she's not very clever i'm like okay i'm not gonna have to read about two psychopaths <laughs> together <laughs> i was very relieved you're you're saying okay they're not like fluffy fuzzy animals though they're like big bugs you know what okay it's just it makes my skin crawl i don't like him that's fair. That's fair. And so the big issue they're facing, one of the reasons why they need her to hurry, is that the steward of their house is dead. And Luesh is his name. And he was like the person who knew how to use the soul caster. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because there, when she's talking with her brothers back and forth, she knows everyone is in the room together. 
with uh, Aelita, and then there's a pause, and it's only Nonbalat and Aelita. And they're the only ones that know Luesh is dead. I don't even think the other brothers know that at this point. Uh, I think that the other brothers would know Luesh is dead. Oh, okay. I think what they don't know is there's a group oh, that that's came what it is. asking after Luesh had died. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone's doing their part to basically keep any sort of suspicion off the family like the brother that's well known for gambling and gambling debts is out selling the family's possession as if he's he's selling them to pay off gambling debts when in reality he's selling stuff off and bringing the money back to the family so everyone's kind of like banding together and i okay i have a lot of mixed feelings about this family because i initially love them for coming together, but I also feel like they've been thrown together and have like bonded through familial trauma because apparently their dad is horrible, was horrible. Um, but I don't want to give Nan Balat any, any, what is so funny? Nothing. You barely... Look at me. <laughs> I have to. The camera's right on you. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm worried about this family because right now it seems like they're going to do anything to help their family survive. But here's my, here's my future worry that I think, I think about things too far in the future. I'm afraid that when all of this is settled, they're all going to turn on each other to get ahead because their dad apparently was angling to be made high prince because their family's high prince is, is ill and failing do we know who it is do we know who the high prince is of of Yakaved? Uh, no we don't um because we know the alethi high princess but i don't think we know the Yakaved high princess so yeah the dad was apparently working with this group to become the next kind of making a move to be the next high prince and non balat says you know when these people came to visit me asking about the fabriel I offered, why don't you make me the next high prince? And they basically laughed in his face. So this family has no power standing whatsoever, which makes me wonder. Okay, wait, I'm, I'm working several things out in my head. Initially, it makes me wonder why they would want him. But they had a Fabriel, which was creating marble or granite or something through the mine. So it made them look like they were more wealthy than they were. Okay, I just, I worked it out. Never mind. Good job. Thank you. Nice problem solving. <laughs> uh, so this mysterious group that Luesh was apparently a part of, they have a symbol. Do you remember what the symbol is? It's three diamonds. It says three diamonds shaped in a curious pattern. I don't know. I don't okay. know what pattern, but that's just. Add it to the watch list. Watch okay. list. <laughs> Chicken watch, <laughs> spren watch, <laughs> diamond watch, watch. watch, diamond watch. <laughs> so yeah, so poor Shalon is in the middle of in Her the middle studi. of yeah doing what she loves, which is studying. But Yasna apparently is having her study more recent philosophers and scholars rather than ancient history. And they have a very interesting conversation because... Hey, Em, sorry, real fast. What kind of history? Ancient history. (gasps) Okay. What? (laughs) So that's how I say it, too. Ancient. Is that not... 
Is this supposed to be ancient? I had somebody in high school just like yell at me. She's like, okay, now you're doing it on purpose because I say ancient. That's how you little, say it. Right? Apparently right. it's ancient. You know what? And I'm like, no, 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 ancient history. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm glad we're sisters. I thought I'd said something really wrong. I'm glad that nope. uh, it's our little idiosyncrasies. Um, let's see. Oh, first of all, Shalon is very smart. She memorizes the whole conversation because, you know, they do it by span read, so everything's written down. So she's memorized it, and then she burns it. Good job. Go, go you. Um, uh, I could mention a certain someone and their alien diary. <laughs> Liz. Who leaves it out for people to find. Don't do it. Don't do it, guys. If you have to write about secret aliens who are living amongst us, don't write it in your normal diary and leave it in your drawer. Hide it away. Code it or something. Yeah. Um, so she Shalon's kind of confused as to the subject that uh you'll uh that um Yasna's having her study. Yasna's having her study, I guess, people's views on King Gavilar's death and why it happened, um, which is very recent, you know, in the internal scheme of things. Yeah. Only like six years ago. Yeah. And all of these scholars, um, I'm not going to say it succinctly. So if I if I like really wander off, I need you to rein me in. Um okay. But they they talk about I guess they really exaggerate their position as they are these scholars, and Shalon is not confused by it, but kind of bewildered as to why would you why would you say it like this? Yeah, she's like they're so confident in what they're saying, mm-hmm. uh, like just in their how they're how they're framing their thesis statements. Because, Meg, this next part is, like, very intense, but I, I don't know exactly how to explain it to people. What what next part? The arrogance. Do we need to talk about that or just kind of say I this? I think is... so. Okay. Okay. Shalon and Yasna are, like, talking back and forth. And, and Shalon, like, is very much like me. <laughs> if she thinks of a pun, she says it immediately. If she thinks of a quip, you, she Megan. says it, like, instantly. What? <laughs> That's you. That's exactly oh, yep. you. <laughs> And as they're talking, she's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, my, my tutors tried to make me stop being such, like, a smart mouth all the time. And Yasna's like, oh, yeah, how how did they make you try to stop? Did they punish you every time you said something bad? And Shalom's like, uh. And, and Yasna does, like, this cool little logic circle thing of being like, okay, so if you got punished when you said something clever, your goal then would be to say something so clever that they wouldn't get it. Or for you to get your thoughts out fast enough that they couldn't punish you for it. <laughs> and she just sort of like reads Shalon. Like an open book. <laughs> oh my. Something that's fun though. All of the historians that they're reading, they're all women. Because that's how this world works. That's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Yasna mentions, she's like, I really want to introduce you to wit. And I just went, <gasps> they would be... Such a fun pairing to read, like not a not a romantic pairing, but like a, an intelligent yeah. sparring pairing. It's like fun conversations, mm-hmm. right? Because 
I feel like Wit doesn't have anyone that he can talk. Like, his, a lot of his insults yeah. are very base, like, of the baser uh, humor. But if uh-huh. he had someone like Shalon, I feel like he could really shine. And she, once she got over her, like, awkwardness, would probably just be like, oh, really? And then just, I, I, I want it to happen. We're okay, having a Shalon so, and Wit watch as well, okay? Yeah, so far, your wish list has been uh, for Shalon and Adolin to meet each other. No, and, to, uh, for Shalon. I want Shalon and Adolin to be a thing. I want them okay. to be together. Well, it's too bad that she's 800 miles from the Shattered Plains. <laughs> Maybe they could start a span read romance, Ooh. but um, Aelin would have to find a girl who would scribe his <laughs> dirty texts for him. <laughs> Pay them extra. Um, and so Shalon, like, I think she enjoys the, the back and forth tete-a-tete uh, conversation she has with Yasna because Shalon's family of all brothers. It doesn't seem like she's leaving a lot of friends behind. And all of her tutors, like, they taught her what she was supposed to know. But but Shalon's, like, really clever. And she has, like, a great capacity for, I think, learning and for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I think having someone like Yasna has been very uh, enticing for her. And, like, very wonderful for her. And and then she keeps remembering that she's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to betray her. <laughs> Stop having fun. <laughs> um, They get a little interrupted by the king, Teravangian. Oh, oh uh, I had a really quick question. Um, Because the, the king of Carbranth comes in and they have a, a conversation. Uh, and... She, Yasna mentions that she, that, okay, let me gather my thoughts. My question is, does Yasna have a collection of wards at court? Like, does she have more than one at a time or does she only focus on one at a time? Because we know she's invited several other young ladies to basically come and audition to be her wards. Does she have, like, a school? I don't think it's, it's stated in the books uh, up to this point whether or not she's had multiple wards like i don't know if shallan has been the first to like super succeed or not right ward watch new one ward watch did you write it down <laughs> i did yes all right you should just have like a watch i'm gonna do that page. hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna have a page that's just for watches <laughs> okay hold on i'm gonna make one in the back hold on so we have chicken watch. Hold on. We have chicken watch. Spren watch. Watch. Spren. Palindrome. Palindrome. Uh, I'm going to put ward watch. And this won't come in into effect for a while. Mm-hmm. Put down Dalinar's butt. <laughs> okay. This is derriere. Dalinar's butt. It's written. Okay. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Alrighty. So the king has come in and he obviously wants to talk to them about something because he's kind of come when he knows they're having their meal and he's the king so they can't be like come back later. So they invite him to dine with him and here it's also very gender segregated so 
Um, the tablecloths are different colors for the king and for the for the men and the women. You know, the things that they eat are also very segregated. Um, is it because... Sorry, you're getting a lot of, like, world-building questions from me today. Sorry. Um, because Yaakoved is near Alethi. Does that Called mean... Bronth is... Oh, sorry. Finish your question. Oh, because so here's my here's my here's my question in whole. Yakovet is near Lethe, which is where Shalon's from. She has very clear gender role ideas. Carbronth mm-hmm. mm-hmm. is much further away. So does is this something the whole world does, or only very few of the well, cities? Emily, yes, I'm going to encourage you to open up your map. Ugh. Uh, do you know where Carl Bromp is on the map? Hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it. Uh, there's Shinovar, there's the Pure Lakes. Mm. Okay, go to, go to Yakoved. Okay. Put your finger on the J at the beginning of Yakoved. Okay. Now I want you to trace straight down past the mountains. Uh-huh. Into the ocean, uh-huh. keep going down. Oh, I see it. Okay. So they're so, in the same hemisphere. Yes. And while Carbronth isn't right next to it, if you look at it, we've got like this huge bay, the Tarat Sea, mm-hmm. where everything around this sea, they, they would like trade with each other. Got it. Right? Because you could get to ports in all of those nearby nations. So that's like... One of the reasons why culturally they're all very similar to one another. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for answering my question. You are welcome. Um, so as they're eating, they can tell the king wants to ask something. And he, uh, Yasna is very gracious and kind of gives him an in to begin speaking. And he wants to know how Yasna Kalin kept this Fabriel um, if she's an atheist. Because only... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, Emily, this is a question you had earlier. You're like, why does she have one? Yes. Because I guess... Who was supposed to get it? The the devotaries? Yeah, the... the, Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Um, That's why... Have we met somebody named Capsule? Yeah, of course we have. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, I was like, I forgot when he comes in. Uh, Yeah, Capsule is basically sent by the church to be like hey can we have that back <laughs> um, that's what that's what shalon assumes about him yeah yeah okay also sorry i know we want to talk about the book but i'm wondering that's right why this is fun okay. this is why we're recording this <laughs> because she needs she needs this fabriel if it's broken is it broken forever can no one fix it i mean yeah yasna turned a rock into smoke surely she can fix it is it because they're magic or like okay so you need a very particular kind of artificer to fix it okay shallan's family is not supposed to have one it is a secret fabriel that's right okay and they're swapping it out for yasna's because there's no way they could get one from the church mm-hmm. um but it is possible that so is the church involved in the chessboard of who's going to be king next? Uh, I I don't think so. Oh. I feel like I feel like I might have. Well, they could be. I think it's just more like 
Shalon and her brothers personally were like, where are we going to get a Fabriel? And the Fabriel that they knew of, because I'm sure other people have secret Fabriels, right? <laughs> I mean, like it stands to reason. Um, I mean, listen, Brandon Sanderson conveniently forgets to tell me when people are married. That's not true. <laughs> he, why would he tell me who else has secret Fabriels? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Keep keep talking about Teravangian. So if someone, because listen, because wouldn't, okay, stop. My brain is going in a million directions. If mm-hmm. these things are such a big deal, wouldn't they be like tagged and, um, Serial number. Yeah, basically. Because, <laughs> um, like, so there are a limited number of shard blades, right? Right. We haven't been able to make new shard blades. Right. But they are able to manufacture Fabrials. Okay. They're just probably, like, super duper expensive and super rare. But, like, uh, Navani Kalin is a Fabrial artificer. Like, mm-hmm. she invents... She invents things you can do with gemstones and fabrials <laughs> and different configurations and things. So, okay. so it's super possible to build a computer chip, mm-hmm. but you need a lot of very, very specific knowledge to do it. Right, and so, it's easier to steal one than it is to find someone who could fix one or make one. Because this one kind of make okay. Listen, I don't know how this works, but they're making. I, I had assumed they were making this ore and stuff out of nothing, but it stands to reason that they would be transfiguring. like Transmutating. Transmutating. Thank you. Like rock into this new mm-hmm. ore or whatever. Um, I just wonder if this is a new one or if people have them already and mm-hmm. this is just one that's been stolen. So that's that's just mm-hmm. what I'm wondering. So, so Yeah. Thanks, guys, for letting me just, like, all of a sudden be like, what about this? I'm sure they love it. (laughs) I hope you'll love it. We haven't actually released any episodes yet. We haven't yet. Ooh, but we did at least get our theme song. (gasps) Yes, we got it. What's the word? We we got the rights to the song, so I'm very excited. Yeah, so thanks. uh, Shout out to Michael Biancardi for use of his song, A Passing Storm. (gasps) Did you pick it because of the name? Uh, I picked it because I love that song, but also I was like, hey, this is really relevant to at least Way of Kings. I don't think it'll be relevant when we tag it on to um, Roswell, but uh, I think we might be doing Stormlight Archives longer than we'll be doing Roswell, right? <laughs> I, yeah. How many seasons of Roswell are there? Three. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And we're on book, we're going to have at least four books of the Way of Kings. I, I feel, though, at the rate at which we're going... We might actually get the fifth one. We might. <laughs> Alrighty. Shalon is noticing. She feels bad for the king because Shalon is very quick of wit. Yasna Kalin is very intelligent. And Shalon seems to feel that the king is not. That he is an older, frailer person. Well, he's, he's Yeah, he seems to be a very emotionally intelligent guy. But he gets into a fascinating conversation with Yasna. I love how it's written um, about religion because Yasna is very infamously an atheist. The two of them, like, uh, Yasna answers his questions about being an atheist and she kind of, like, always turns his points back on him. Mm -hmm. Uh, And 
We'll jump back to Shalon drawing in a second because Shalon's not participating in the conversation. She's working on a piece of art. But Shalon like points it out to Yasna later that she's like, it wasn't very fair, like how you handled that because, you know, he's not schooled in logic arguments like that. Yeah, yeah. She feels bad for him. Emily, what did you think of the atheism <gasps> conversation? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me about the drawing. So I'm going to say about the oh. atheism, because <laughs> I have things to say about that. But the atheism one, it was very interesting because um, because they are able to have a conversation where they are very clearly, these two people very clearly have very different views and see the world in very different ways. And listen, it's always hard to talk about people. It's It's hard to talk to people about the things that they feel versus cold hard facts i guess you know science Mm -hmm. versus religion i really like how brandon sanderson handled this because these two people have completely opposite views but they are able to talk and to ask questions and people don't get their feathers ruffled like it's not always comfortable but it's not um it's not a knockdown draggy drag out screaming match about well, you're wrong because of this. Well, I go wrong because of this, you know. And uh, I know, like, we know that Brandon in his own personal life is very sincerely and earnestly religious himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it speaks to a really uh, fascinating depth in his writing that he can craft two sympathetic sides of this conversation this way. And I just, yeah. this is... I love this little chapter. It's one of my favorites, actually. It's one of my favorite Yasna scenes in this book. Yeah. It is a mark of a very good writer who can delve into things that they may or may not believe, but not look like they are favoring one over the other. And so and we will get to the art, I promise. It's just, this, is, <laughs> this is following while we're on the Teravanji and stuff. Um, Shalon asks Yasna after he leaves, she's like, oh, you don't, you don't think he's dull, do you? And Yasna's like, he is wonderful. He reminds me of my Uncle Dalinar. <laughs> that he's like earnest and sincere. And, you know, Shalon points out that they, the light eyes, the, the nobles here, think of him as being weak because he's like afraid of war. He like bows and scrapes to other monarchs and he doesn't have any shards. And then Yasna's like quiet for a second. And then she says this great thing where... In ancient days, a man who brought peace to his kingdom was considered to be of great worth. Now that same man would be derided as a coward. I it's wrote the... Cent- sorry. Oh, sorry. Keep going. Sorry. Uh, it's been centuries coming, this change. It should terrify us. We could do with more men like Teravangian, and I shall require you to never call him dull again, not even in passing. I do like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote that down too because I really liked that the that um, I said kings who brought peace were revered. Now they are sneered. Hey, that's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and it's interesting that she says Teravangian reminds her of Dalinar because this is what Dalinar is earnestly trying to do now is is unite them mm-hmm. without well, bloodshed. Not so much anymore. Uh, if you recall, he's at the given end of the up. last part. He quit, but. Uh-huh. You know. <laughs> I want Dalinar to adopt Shalon. No, well, he can't if, because then Adolin and Shalon can't get together. I was going to say, if she buries his son, he wouldn't have to. Listen, I just want her to have a good is like, father figure. You don't need, 
you don't need canonical proof to ship someone. Like, there's a difference between being like, I think this character and this character would be fun together. And then being like, if these two characters aren't together, this work is garbage. Yeah. But, Because, yeah. listen, because initially I'm like, oh, it's Shallan and Kaladin because they are the two main characters. Like, cause that's because just, they're the main characters, yeah, right? That's not always a good reason. But, listen, if you guys I agree. ship Kaladin and Shallan, good go for it have fun power to you go forth in love and happiness yeah so there you go oh also okay so due to the earlier conversation shalon was gonna say something and then she holds her tongue uh and yasna's like well i I don't want you to just be quiet (laughs) shalon's like it could have been an inappropriate joke and yasna's like no i want you to focus your wit not like suppress it um and then she says that uh, I believe you might have made Teravangian laugh. He seems haunted by something lately. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I know people want power. I know people always want to be the ones in charge. But guess what? When you're in charge, you have to deal with the really awful hard things. Mm-hmm. It's not all, hey, I've got a lot of money and power. I'm going to go do whatever I want. It's like, no, you have more responsibilities than anybody else. Uh Hey, let's talk about the drawing. Back in. <laughs> so uh, she offers, Shalon offers to um, to have do, do his portrait. And she basically looks at him and takes a very quick snapshot of what he looks like. And he keeps saying, oh, no, I'll pose. I've done this before. Don't worry. Um, but we know that Shalon has an amazing, incredible memory. And... She just, she's just like basically takes a picture with her brain and then goes to her paper and is just drawing, drawing, drawing. And she's she's, like a printer. She really is. (laughs) So she's very caught up in the conversation as well and just kind of drawing, just kind of on autopilot, I guess, um, because she's very good at what she does. Yeah. (laughs) And so she looks back at her drawing as their conversation is coming to a close um, and she's saying, like, oh, the king is in the chair. He has a wise expression. You know, there's the doorway to the balcony. And then she realizes she has drawn something in this picture that's nowhere to, like. What is it? Oh, this gave me the chills. I hated it so much. There are two figures in the doorway. Um, two tall and willowy creatures with cloaks that split down the front and hung at the sides too stiffly as if they were made of glass. Above the high stiff collars where the creature's head should be, each had a large floating symbol of twisted design full of impossible angles and geometries. And she's like, she looks up and she's like, those weren't in the memory that I took. She just (laughs) inserted them in. Oh, Megan, I couldn't stand it. I hated it so so much i hated it i hated it i hate it listen listen guys one of my least favorite tropes slash scare tactics is when someone is in a movie and they open like their bathroom cabinet and then they close it there's something behind them i cannot handle it okay cannot will not don't make me do it I love that this is like the fantasy version of taking a photo and realizing there's a there's something spooky <laughs> in the picture after. Oh, okay. Quick tangent, you guys. Very quick tangent. So 
there's the haunting of Hill House, and then, you know, they have the haunting of Bly Manor. And there's no spoilers in this. I'm just going to let you guys know. This is, this is how this has affected my life. So in the haunting of Bly Manor, there are some mirror spookies where some this exact thing happens multiple times. Someone will look into a mirror and there is a figure there. Guys, I hate scary things. I hate it. I don't like being scared. I don't like watching scary things. But I want to know what happens. So I want to know. <laughs> I will I will take a series like that and basically like just slide the thing through so I'm watching everything very fast on like silent and just reading the subtitles because I just want to know what happens. <laughs> yep. So we were having uh, our friend Christmas get together. We we're staying at my my friend's grandparents cabin. Um, I say cabin. This is up in uh, this is a very it's a huge cabin. Hoity-toity. It's hoity-toity. It's, it's, it's a it's a mansion. It's a rustic mansion. It's a rustic, rustic mansion. Rustic-themed Um, it was built for their family, so there's like 26 rooms and like fireplaces in every room, and um, there's secret passages in it. Like it's very, very, very cool. So we're all together one night. I we are all going to bed. So I'm I'm going into the room that I'm staying in, and there's a full length mirror, um, one of the ones that you can like flip around, you know, that's movable. And I had just finished The Haunting of Blind Manor, and I was like, okay, you are a freaking adult. Do not be scared of this mirror. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, that didn't work. I was still really afraid. <laughs> I was real scared. So I took, I took some of my, like, one of my sweatshirts, and I'm like, okay, this is stupid. This is really stupid, guys. But I'm going to put this over the mirror so that I don't get scared because it's, like, right by the bed. And it's like two in the morning at this point because we've had a really good time. Um, so I walk over. I put the sweatshirt over the mirror. And at that point, every light in the room went out. <laughs> I almost fell on the floor. Like I almost just collapsed. And I'm just waiting for some demon to come out and like grab me by the ankles and thankfully, I knew this about the house, is that instead of making you go through every room and turn off every light when you're done, because that would take half an hour, there is a master switch in the living room where you push it and it turns every light in the house off. And as everyone had gone to bed, that's what they had decided to do. It had just happened at the moment. I had just happened to put the thing over the mirror. <laughs> I, my heart, guys, I... Just like, and I, I reached over because I was, I finally turned on the lights, but like, it took me an hour to calm down because it had, oh, like there was a reasonable, logical explanation. But in the moment, I knew I was going to be eaten by demons. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, so there is a series called The Guest <laughs> on Netflix. Which, Megan, really fast. Sorry. Uh-huh. We talked about it last night. Uh-huh. And Dilly was like, well, I, I had Megan watch it. I told her. I, I can't hear any criticisms about it. <gasps> she didn't tell me that? Before you started. Oh. She's just like, I love it so much. I can't hear anything bad about it. 
I didn't know that. No. Did I say something bad? No, we were talking about how much you loved it and how okay. you've watched it three times already. <laughs> and she was so happy you liked it. I do have some light criticism over the pacing of the finale. Not the content of the finale, but the, the pacing in which the information comes out in the last two episodes. But that was really it. Yeah. Um, She's had so much fun talking about it with you, by the way. Okay, I should, I should message her some more about it. <laughs> But, uh, okay, so my, I'm okay with watching scary stuff because my bed is a loft bed. It's, like, up high. And so in my my little lizard brain, I can, or I guess this is monkey brain, I can climb my, <laughs> quote, tree at night and be safe from the ghosts and stuff and what I watch. But there is a particular creature, and you haven't got to this part in the guest yet, Emily, so I'll just, I'll tread lightly around it. But um, it's very tall, and it can grow taller. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So it's late. I was up late. It was, I started at nine where I'm like, I could go to bed now, but it's early enough. I bet I could watch an episode of The Guest. And then there was a cliffhanger and I'm like, I better watch another one. And then it was two o'clock in the morning and I had seen this very tall creature. Oh, no. <laughs> so I'm lying in my loft bed being like, it could get me up here if it was like, I know it's not real, but it could get me. So I, uh, I definitely slept with all the lights on. Oh, you know what? I've done that before. <laughs> yeah. uh, As so, an adult. <laughs> I think what we're doing right now is an avoidance behavior. It is. It is. We don't want to talk about the scary stuff, but we will. Sorry, guys. Because we don't want to talk about what's happening to Kaladin. Oh, that's right. Guys, listen. Listen, I'm going to be honest. The last chapter, I, I couldn't I couldn't read it, but we'll get to that first Kaladin chapter is Darkness Unseen, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to read the epigraph this time. They were suddenly dangerous, like a calm day that became a tempest. This fragment is the origin of a Thalen proverb that was eventually reworked into a more common derivation. I believe it may reference the Voidbringers. The Voidbringers. Ixix Emperor, fourth chapter. All right. So Kaladin... Okay, so I think we've joked about um, on a scale of, you know, low to high, how good of a day is Kaladin having? And this starts out as a good day. A good day. He's he's feeling light of step, actually. He's got 29 (laughs) bridgemen who are going to follow him. Like, he's brought them around. They are listening to him. They're joining in practice. They're being comrades in arms. Yep. Uh, like, finally, uh, everybody's joining in the meals, uh, everybody's joining in the training, and, like, he guides them in warm-up exercises every morning. (laughs) Uh, and so he's, he's pretty content with, like, where we are, and we get a little bit of an insight from a point-of-view character we haven't been in the head of yet. He's a terrible person, but he's not as terrible as Sadius. It's Gaz, you guys. We were in the head of Gaz. Um, And some spooky stuff is going on with him as well because he has lost an eye and the darkness of that, it's always on his mind. It's always freaking him out. So listen, I'm cutting him like 1.7% more slack than I did before. Okay, but that's it. 
Um, but he is talking to La- was it Lamaril? Lamaril. Lamaril, who is just like, what is this guy doing talking about Kaladin? You know, we cannot have this happen. They cannot be friends. He, they, this. Basically, we find out Bridgman are bait, and if but they can't find that out because if they ever found that out, then what's the point of having Bridgman? Who I, oh man, I was pitching this book to one of my friends, being like, "You have to read it," and I was talking about the bridge crews and how they're set up and stuff, and this person's like, "That's ridiculous. Who would ever agree to do that?" And I'm like. They don't agree. <laughs> it's like they're forced to do it. Anyway, yeah, agreed. So, because uh, Cal, oh, because Kaladin uh, mentions at the start of this chapter that um, there is a promise that if you survive a hundred bridge runs, you are promoted out of being a bridge crewman. Mm-hmm. But that's literally impossible. Because yeah. the turnover happens so often, so quickly, because you go out there to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a big fat, oh, it makes me so mad. Who came up with the system? Who's running this country? Elokar. Oh. Well, sorry, this this particular method of using bridges, that's a Sadius that's a special, Sadius baby. Thing. Stupid Sadius. Um, yeah, it says, Gaz doubted that any of the bridgemen really understood their place in Sadius's plans if they knew why they worked as pitilessly, as pitilessly as they were and why they were forbidden shields or armors. They likely would just cast themselves into the chasm. Bait. They were bait. And so this is brought up again because Kaladin, through this chapter, is just like, this doesn't make sense why they won't let us have shields. It doesn't make sense. And no one will talk about it. It's kind of like this unspoken thing that you don't bring that up. Um, so Lamoril's just like, listen, he has to be gotten rid of, but it can't be obvious. He cannot be a martyr. So like, you know, killing him in the middle of the night with, you know, a knife in the barracks is not going to work. It was interesting because like, we don't like Gaz, but he doesn't like Lamoril. And there's good reason because, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, this isn't the case of the enemy of my enemy oh, is yeah. my friend. <laughs> this is the enemy of my enemy is also terrible. Also a terrible person. Um, Lamoral, okay, correct me if I'm wrong. He's a minor light eyes. You are correct. Okay. Um, and Gaz says that he had learned to fear the minor eyes the most because they just don't have enough power to really make a difference in anything and it makes them bitter and dangerous because I Lamoral I feel is the sort of person who will do anything to establish his power and make other people's lives miserable because he's also miserable yeah he is um Kaladin is is we're having training day Syl did not overhear the conversation between Lamoral and Gaz no she knows something's up but she doesn't know what I feel like he asked her to follow Gaz earlier. Anyway. Yeah, um, I believe he did. Yeah, Syl's like, I I didn't notice them in time to listen in, but uh, their expressions were dark like thunderclouds. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And and Syl's like, do you not... Do you not trust Lamoril? Why not? And Calvin's like, oh, he's a light eye. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, obviously. 
But uh, so as they're practicing carrying the bridge around, Kaladin's like, you know, shields are made of wood. A bridge is made of wood. (laughs) It's just kidding. His his thought process is a little more complex than that. But he gets this idea that, oh my gosh, the only thing we're allowed to carry out is the bridge. What if we use the bridge as a shield? So we start to practice something called a side carry, which is sort of awkward from what I, I understand. It's not very straightforward, but it's something that they're able to practice and get down, but it takes a lot of effort to do it. Um, and everyone's like, well, why are we doing this? And he's like, oh, uh, it's it's to develop different muscles and stuff. Point of order, um, Kaladin has divided his bridge crew into sub-squads, mm-hmm. and he has named four bridgemen as squad leaders. Uh, Emily, which Bridgman did he pick as squad leader? Um, one of the ones uh, was Moash, who was <laughs> the jerkiest one so far. And he's like, why did you pick me to be this leader? And Kat's like, because you resisted me and you were very vocal about it. And Moash is like, you picked me because I refused to obey you? <laughs> And Kaladin's like, yeah, it just means you're not easily swayed. Moash is like, okay. Capable, intelligent, enemies to lovers subplot. Mm. Um, but no, uh, so yeah, the four squad leaders are Rock, Teft, Scar, and Moash. Yeah. And, uh,. Yeah, and Moash is like, fine, I'll be, I'll be your squad leader, but I still don't trust you. I still think you're stupid. <laughs> um, so Gaz catches them practicing the side carry, and he's like, what is this? And so Kaladin, you know, comes up with uh, a pretty good explanation, being like, oh, we're seeing if we, if we lose people on the battlefield, can we still get bridges back with fewer men? And Gaz is like, oh my gosh, if they lift up their bridge like that during a run... My problem solved. <laughs> Goodbye, Kaladin. And so he tells them, definitely try it. Do this. Absolutely do this. <laughs> Although, so so he's he's upset about Kaladin dying, not out of any concern for Kaladin, but because uh, Lamriel has been blackmailing him, and he's been relying on Kaladin's money to help pay off this blackmail, mm-hmm. which is funny. Uh, if you remember. Um, Back when Kaladin was going to jump into the honor chasm, he runs into Gaz, who's come out at the tail end of the high storm to grab his spheres first thing. That's when Kaladin, like, realizes how desperate Gaz is for money. He doesn't know what for. And we find out here it's because Gaz owes Lamorel a bunch of money. We don't know why, but I'm sure that will come up. So, uh, we've got, we've got a flashback. Yeah, it's another Kaladin chapter. We've got a lot of good Kaladin chapters lately. Uh, this one is chapter 31, Beneath the Skin, and this is six years ago, where Kaladin is still studying to become a surgeon. Um, if you remember, in previous chapters, they're High Lord, Prince Lord? High Prince. High Lord. No, uh, City Lord. City Lord has died, and a new one has come who's obviously very bitter about having to be there. We find out that... He made the suggestion, this high lord, city prince dude, has made the suggestion to the other townspeople who already don't like Kaladin's dad, Liren, um, that if Liren's not going to charge for his services, why should you pay him in the first place? 
And so Laren is still working and still taking care of everybody, but is not getting paid because this high prince, lord, city person, wants him to use the spheres, the diamond spheres that have been put away for Kaladin's education. It's this it's this game of chicken that's going on between between them. And it should note that this is this is six years ago. This is very recently after uh, the death of Gavilar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Kaladin has opinions, and his opinion is like Rashon is. You know, he's not like the other light eyes. He he's not a weak. real light eyes because yeah, he's weak. He's flawed. Um, if he was a real light eyes, he would be out fighting for vengeance with everyone else on the shattered plains. So. It's funny, little Cal is very respectful and almost like in continual awe of light eyes, the idea of, of this, you know, according to his society, this higher class of people. Man, Emily, I wonder what makes him change his mind. I wonder. Do you think we'll ever find out? Probably not in this ever. No, it'll just be a mystery. Um, one thing I found interesting, but also heartbreaking is because Kaladin, as this young kid, sees everything in black and white. Mm-hmm. And he's being kind of forced into this situation where he's, he hasn't quite realized, or I don't feel he's really accepted, that things can be gray. You know? And and for me, these sort of stories are always bittersweet when people learn about, well, there's not always good people and always bad people there's a big in-between area and that's always hard I feel like that subject matter and so I wrote mm-hmm. I just wrote not black and white <laughs> those are my notes that's good notes um like the coming of age story sort of a thing I feel like we're on the cusp of Kaladin's of coming of age Roman. story <laughs> yeah um so Kaladin's mad at everyone in the town and he's pretty shocked to find out his dad's not mad at the townsfolk his dad is mad at the person manipulating them which doesn't make sense to Kaladin <laughs> yeah a man like Rashon can take what is honest and true and twist it into a mess of sludge to walk on yeah oh really fast um because Liren calls this man poor fool and Kaladin's just like no at this point of the story every story you know, you outwit the bad guy, the good guys win, you know, like this is the part where his dad is supposed to go fight, but that's not the way the real world works. We find out real fast that Tien has been, uh, not exactly apprenticed, but he is now learning carpentry. Um, and Kaladin's dad is a little disappointed because he was hoping to get another surgery assistant, but Tien cannot stand the sight of blood. He freezes up. Yeah. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah. And Kaladin is, I don't think he's feeling as guilty as he should because Kaladin is still like, I think I'm going to actually go be a spearman. But he's sitting there every night studying all of these, you know, documents and, and you know, uh, forms that have, you know, the human body written out and everything. And so. Uh, because he mentions that uh, he figured it'd be pretty useful knowing the muscles and like where the vital organs are <laughs> might be useful when he is a spearman getting ready <laughs> to stab people. Um, but then a mob attacks their house. Mm hmm. And Kaladin is uh, really afraid. 
I mean, super afraid because he realizes they are there for the, the spheres, the diamond spheres. Um, and I don't know, it kind of, to me, seemed like Liren was expecting this. Or he, he was expecting it to happen at one point, whether it was this very night or not. But um, because someone's at the door trying to break it open, it looks like with a crowbar sort of a thing. Um, and Liren throws the door open and is like, you guys didn't think anybody else was going to be here, did you? And he kind of not shames them into this. But this is this to me was a very uh, to kill a mockingbird scene because the mob comes to Atticus Finch's house. And Scout is just like, oh, hello, Mr. So-and-so. Oh, hi. Like, she names all of them, and they all become very ashamed and leave. Um, because they're like, we're here for the spheres. Liren goes and gets them and basically, like, kind of, like, reveals them. And this bright light, like, illuminates the darkness. And Kaladin's like, I know all of these people. I know exactly who they are. And Liren also calls them out. He's like, guys... I've worked on your children. I, you know, the only reason one of those guys is even walking is because Liren worked on him and saved his life. Um, mm-hmm. And and so this was an, I really liked this too because Kaladin's so afraid, everything's so dark, the spheres are, you know, basically released and you can see everyone very clearly. And it says, where dangerous shadows had once loomed, cringing men now raised hands. They didn't seem so intimidating. In fact, the claws over their faces looked ridiculous. And so he's like, mm-hmm. Liren invites them. He's like, do what you came to do. And nobody will do it. And they all no just leave. Uh, and he also, he specifically calls out and he's like, um you think he'd let you keep them? Like, it's very clear that the city lord has said something that, like, oh, I'll I'll promise a man a reward, whoever retrieves these spheres, or maybe just, like, he's manipulated these people into coming after Liren. Mm -hmm. And it's it holds true to the conversation Cal and his dad were having, that, like, yeah, these, uh, it's not just these people, it's the person who's manipulating them is, like, our biggest enemy. Mm Mm-hmm. Because remember earlier, the the passing of the spheres to the the surgeon has not been written down. It was not recorded. It's a, basically Liren said, "Oh, he said I could have them," but it's mm-hmm. not recorded anywhere. And so there's a lot. There's this is where we get to a gray area. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, let me get copper real fast. Here, buddy. My dog is not happy unless he's sitting on the bed. And I do it because <sighs> I'm a pushover. So, here we are. Side carry. Oh, you guys, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't read it. Can I? Here's, okay. Here's what my notes say. No. That's what my notes <laughs> say. It says no. <laughs> Well, then we are going to not glaze over, but maybe we won't dig so deep into this. But um, real first, at the beginning of the chapter is uh, Kaladin's like, we need more men on bridge four because of, you know, like they're they're wounded and stuff. Because they've lost like 35 percent of their mm-hmm. their group because some people have died. A few people have died, but also a lot are injured wounded. and Kaladin yeah. won't leave them behind and they have to also 
take care of them. Yeah. Um, and so he goes to, because he's squad leader, he gets to go to the place where Gaz is assigning um, the new Bridgman. And Bridge 4 doesn't get any. And Kaladin's like, no, no. We need more Bridgman. Like, give me more Bridgman. And then Gaz is like, okay, fine. You can you can pick one. And before Kaladin can pick, because he's, he's going down the line of, like, condemned men, so he can choose one for, for Bridge 4. And then uh, somebody speaks up and says, hey, Gonjo, you want me, I think. And uh, here we've got the Lopin. Uh, Emily, tell us about the Lopin. Tell us about Lopin. He, I'm trying to think what other, um, what other literary character he reminds me of, but he is so optimistic and he's just like, oh, what does he say? Um, he's, he says, Hey, you want me? And Kaladin's like, why did you volunteer? Do you know what, do you know what bridges are? And, uh, Lopin says, you are only picking one. That means one man gets to be special and the others don't. He's like, I've got a good feeling about you. And he's like. What's a bridge crew? <laughs> uh, he okay. He reminds me of Pippin. From okay, Lord of the I was Rings. gonna say he reminds me of a newsie. <laughs> yes, <laughs> carrying the bridge through it all. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so he's just talking up a storm. This man barely takes pause to breathe just hardly at all and uh if you guys all remember when kaladin first gets assigned to the bridge crew he's just thrown into it it's his first day well lucky lucky for uh what's his name lopin it's uh it's bridge time it's bridge time and we we get back to the the area where the other bridge crews are and and Kaladin near the beginning of the book mentioned that on days off everyone would just sort of scatter and do their own thing some people would just go drink or like spend their wages on whatever but here bridge 4 is taking a break from training and they're all just sitting in the shade and talking to each other even the wounded people have like joined them and they're all they're all chatting together except for except for Dabit who's um got some sort of like, they don't have the words for it, but it's clearly, like, severe PTSD, and he doesn't even, like, speak anymore. Um, but, yeah, Bridge Crew's all happy. They're all hanging out together. It's like, my, what a what a cheerful Bridge Crew. He'll be ashamed of something <laughs> <laughs> happened to it. Um, and, you know, the, they're told it's Bridge Run, we gotta go, and Kaladin's just like, this is gonna be bad, because beforehand they had sort of a buffer um that if you know mm-hmm. someone died or fell that they could carry the bridge but there are so few of them now there's only 30 compared to what 40 or 50 mm-hmm. that anyone that falls it's going to be exponentially more difficult to go on yeah um and so oh you guys megan just tell them what happens i can't i can't <laughs> i can't just tell them quick fast hurry. all right all right we'll, we'll we'll go fast uh kaladin they get called out to the they get called out to fight. Kaladin tells the Lopin, like, listen, like, don't worry about carrying the bridge, it's your first day. But uh Carpenter said we could have some water skins, bring whatever you can. And Lopin uh takes Dabid with him. Uh well no what Lopin actually shows up to the battle. He's got Dabid and Hopper with him, Hopper, and they've brought a whole litter full of water skins. 
And like having water as they're getting close to the approach has made like all the difference. Like as bridge runs go, this one is pretty good. But we now know exactly where this battle is happening. And it is happening on a much larger plateau called the Tower. And something about the Tower is the Alethi uh, armies have never held a victory if the battle's on the Tower. It's it's much farther out than a lot of the others. It's larger, like the Parshendi have all of the terrain advantages. You know, Anakin, I have the high ground. Um, and so Emily, I actually want to point out to you that we have talked about the tower before. I, I vaguely recall that. Okay, if you could do me a favor and flip to page 380 in your book. Ha, I'm already there. Oh, whoops, that is the wrong page. Oh. But I, I'm so glad you're there. I'm trying to find... Two, there is a map... 216. Oh. Thank you. You're welcome. Did I? Wow. <laughs> do you know what 216 is right next to? <gasps> your favorite number. My favorite number. Okay, Emily, I want you to read the caption on this map of the Shattered Plains. Okay, it says, Prime map of the Shattered Plains. In the east, one can clearly note the tower, the largest plateau of the area, where camps are visible in the west. And so is this the one that's in, like, like more towards the bottom right-hand corner? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep, bottom right-hand corner. It's like... um. On the left-hand side, if you count, like, three camps up, it's straight across from those. Okay. So, and so, so the war camps are all the way in the west, and this one's all the mm-hmm. way in the east. So if they were to cross that plateau, would they be in Alethi, or in um, Parshendi territory? Uh, so you can see the space around it is very dark. Mm-hmm. That means it's all chasm. Okay. There's no way off the tower except for that one... You can just see there's like one clump of plateaus that are close enough to approach it. Mm-hmm. So that like that's something else is there's like a bottleneck when you try and get to the tower. Okay. Um, and the edge of this map is unfinished because since they've never won a battle at the tower, um, this means that they've never uh, been able to explore past that Got or it. map past that. So we don't know how far away the Persendi camps are from this one. Yeah, we don't. Okay. Um, it's I mean. These planes could go on twice as long as this, three times as long as this. We've, we have never ever made it all the way to the Parshendi side. Okay. All right. But anyway, um, so not only are we headed towards the tower, but the enemy's already there. Mm-hmm. And usually, if the enemy's already already there, that means that there's like this is going to be a bad one because they're ready for us. Yeah. But even though the enemy's there, the chrysalis, because we're we're doing this for the money, we're getting it from the chasm fiend chrysalises, chrysalis isn't open. And so it's going to be a fight. And just, here's what we're going to do. We're just, we're just going to jump. We're just going to jump right ahead. Uh, it's bad, you guys. Just brace yourselves. Yeah, it's real bad. They come up on the approach. There's a bunch of archers. And Kaladin decides to try the side carry. And it is successful. And bridge four is saved. But then the other bridge crews have noticed this. They also attempt the side carry. They haven't been practicing. And they don't have the the skills or the muscles that bridge four has. And um, the battle ends up being a catastrophic failure because so many of the bridges are taken down and aren't in the positions they need to be. Yeah. 
it's a it's it's really a rough chapter bad you guys because Kaladin is looking out across the plains and it's not only is it bad but Kaladin realizes how bad it is mm-hmm. that he's undermined the whole assault he's cost the lives of so many other bridgemen and he realizes oh my gosh they're they're going to come for me mm-hmm. and he has to tell his team he's like don't like don't stand up for me on this get the rest of the team Ooh. get the rest of the team home um yeah just ugh it's so sad. Lamoral and Gaz just descend on him, and they're like, "Do you even know what you've done?" And Kaladin's like, "Yeah, uh, I destroyed the army strategy, and I messed up the whole assault." Um, like he knows he's not like what what he's just like, "I I did this, and this is what happened, and I'm yeah. completely responsible." Like he's not gonna run from this. And, and he's like, listen, if it's worth anything, I didn't I didn't know this was happen. I was just trying to survive. And Lamoral snaps. Bridgman aren't supposed to survive. Yeah. And Kaladin, Kaladin's not like, you know, pleading for his life or anything. But he very straightforwardly is like, hey, if you let me live, I'll tell your superiors this wasn't your fault. And they're like, excuse me? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, if you just... You just kill me it looks like you have something to hide and he very logically points out he's like you were both watching us practice this gaz you told me to try this and so lamoral thinks it over and says beat him but don't kill him and the chapter ends with beat uh the chapter ends with kaladin being beaten. savagely beaten uh but he notices because because one kick tears his uh, money pouch open, and his spheres are scattered across the stones. And even though they are freshly charged, there is no stormlight in them. And that is where we end this chapter. Oh. Okay, guys, listen. When stuff like this happens, I literally was just skimming to the end. I I was just like I I cannot immerse myself into this because I. Oh, oh man. Oh, to mess something up that badly when it's life and death. And you're like, you know, Kaladin was doing it out of the goodness. Like he wants to protect his men. It wasn't to save his own skin. He was doing this because he he's a good person. And and I understand why the other bridgemen did it because they saw it working, but they hadn't put all the hard work into it. And so like. <sighs> Listen, have you guys ever made a okay, this is this is not have you guys ever made a mistake at work where you're just like not either I I'm going to be mistake. fired or like that doesn't make me bad. <laughs> so I just I I'm a people pleaser. I want to make sure everything's good and so like I work at my jobs to make sure that I do a good job. I don't just like to skate through and just, you know, I like to help. And this is a stupid example, but I worked at a bakery one time and I took a, I took an order. (gasps) I remember this story. (laughs) (laughs) This is like something from a TV show level of messing up. So the woman wanted two dozen croissants and I'm like, great, listen, 
I was very distracted at the time because I'm like, I know the person on the other end of this line. She's a teacher I had in high school. And I was just like, <gasps> not thinking. Wait, what subject did they teach? It was French. They were doing a... Oh, then never mind. Oh. I did not have the same teacher. Okay. I did not take French in high school. Um, And I wrote, because I was like, oh, there's 12 and a dozen. And instead of writing two dozen croissants, I wrote 12 dozen croissants. And these were, like, specialty made. And so she comes to pick up her two dozen croissants. And they're like, but we made 12 dozen. She's like, I don't want 12 dozen. <laughs> so we had to hurry up and try and sell them to make a profit. Because if not, they go bad really. Like, they're, you know, they go stale really fast. And that was like the, okay, I know it's not a huge mistake. But it was enough of a mistake. My boss was like, why did you write 12 dozen croissants? And I'm like, I don't. No, I I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> this is exactly the same as Kaladin causing no, the death. <laughs> I'm just saying, I hate that feeling. And so, like, like obviously his is much more of a mistake, even though it was like made honestly. But just magnify it, and it it affected so many people. It didn't only affect him and his crew. It affected all the other bridgemen. It affected the whole war. Sadius isn't going to get his stupid gem heart, which... You know, it it probably affected at least 12 dozen people. That's why I wrote no in my notes because I'm like, I can't, I can't focus. I can't dwell on this any longer. So. Okay. Uh, that is our reading for this week. Next week, we're going to be reading chapter 33, Somatics, chapter 34, Stormwall, chapter 35, A Light by Which to See, and chapter 36, The Lesson. This is... Can I guess whose a, chapter is what? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. What was the first one again? Somatics. <sighs> okay. Cymatics. Somatics. 34 is? Stormwall. Stormwall. I'm going to guess that is Kaladin. Okay. 35 is A Light by Which to See. I think that's a flashback of Kaladin's. All right. And 36 is The Lesson. And I think that's Shalon. Okay. Uh, 33 uh, could be either or. I don't know which one. All right. We're going to have something a little special at the end of this episode. Okay. Emily did not agree to this. This is going to be a surprise. (laughs) But so I'm not going to record myself reading these chapters, but um, we're going to record Emily's reactions. And at the very end of this episode, you are going to be listening to a super cut of how Emily reacts to this next chunk of chapters. Okay. Uh, but is that what we're going to do? do? (laughs) That's what we're going to do. Emily, do you agree to this? I do. I'll do it. Okay. If you, uh, flip the page real fast, there's an illustration I want you to look at. So, so cover up the words part with your wall of post-it notes. You guys can't see it, but like the chapter ends, then there's a blank page. And so I'm turning the page. Oh, they're beautiful illustrations. 
Colinar. Yeah, so I know that one. I don't know what it means, do. but I know it. Okay, I just, uh, I want you to look at these images for a second. Okay. What do these patterns remind you of, if anything? Uh, those kaleidoscopes. All right. Do you know what somatics are? No. I know what semantics okay, cool. are, but I don't know what somatics are. Then we will talk about it next time. Okay. <laughs> uh, signing off. My name is Megan, and I got to get back to storyboarding. Do you? No, not till Monday. (laughs) (laughs) I get the weekend off. My name is Emily, and I'm going to go back to writing my book. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Break. Break. all so 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 much for tuning in to my sister made me view it the way of kings edition do you see now why i could not physically read the last chapter i could not do it my heart's still beating very very fast meg's off jet setting around so you're not gonna hear from her this time around but just know she is doing very very cool things and i miss you megan i can't wait to see you again hurry home your cats miss you If you liked our podcast, you should come join us again next Thursday, December the 16th, where we're going to release our next episode of My Sister Made Me View at Roswell, the 1999 edition. And then if that's not enough, join us the week after that, that Thursday, December 23rd, for our next Way of Kings episode. There's just so much cool stuff, you guys. I just can't even, I can't even, I can't even, can't do it. Nope. Special thanks to Michael Biancardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm. Uh, We've been using it for a while, but I think this was the episode where we actually, like, say, hey, we have the rights to it. So, memories. Anyways, hope you guys are having a great holiday season. Uh, This has just been so much fun doing this. If you still want more, check us out on our Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at it. All one word. I don't think lowercase or uppercase matters, but if it does, it's all lowercase. If you guys have a spare minute, you know, it would be really awesome if you stopped off at uh, the Apple's iTunes podcast place and left us a little love, a little review, a little something, something. Uh, We appreciate everyone who has done it so far. You guys are angels. Blessings from on high. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyways. I hope you guys have fun holiday plans and that this time of year isn't too crazy or stressful. Just know that we love you and we believe in you. Okay, I'm ready. You look great. What are you talking about? Ooh. (gasps) Oh. Oh. (gasps) Megan, this is a stupid joke. Are you ready? Do you have to have a soul to use a soul caster? Because Shalon's a ginger. <laughs> Rutro. She's such a jerk. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Shalon, no.
rude. <gasps> no, Megan. Oh no. Ooh, ouchie. I was shocked. No. <gasps> no. <gasps> no, no, stop it. Ugh. No, no, Ugh. no, no, <laughs> Yes! Yes! Oh. No. Interesting. And you'll be in a world of pure nightmares. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! No! Oh no! Oh, no. Uh-huh.